Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's episode 92 of Stands and Fits, coming to you from the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. If you're looking to get a new or pre-owned vehicle, maybe you're trying to find a last-minute Christmas gift for a member of your family or your significant other, maybe you have a kid who's turning 16 in 2020, and you get them their first car, Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny is the perfect place to do it. You also have to buy the big bow this time of year, though. Don't forget to buy that. Yeah, Jeff Woody and I really went in deep on the idea of buying a vehicle for your significant other for Christmas. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we kind of <laughs> went down a weird rabbit hole. I'm sure you both determined that you know, no one actually buys their significant other a car for Christmas. Yeah, but if you are going to do that, you should do it at Carl Chevrolet and Anthony yes. or Carl Chevrolet Stewart. You can check them out online. CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com, located off exit 90 at the Rock in Ankeny, and then on I-80 in Stewart. What's going on, man? Not much. Gearing up for the holidays. Gearing up for the holidays. Yeah. What uh, what what do you got planned? This is our last episode before Christmas. Yeah, we'll take a two-week hiatus, I believe, um, for the holidays. Uh, but yeah, I'll be heading south. Uh, going to visit my in-laws, um, be doing that over the actual, uh, couple days of Christmas Eve and Christmas, and then probably end up visiting my family sometime around the new year. Um, I don't know. We'll end up, we'll end up making plans at some point. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds like fun. Are you heading back to Clorinda? I'm going back to Clorinda on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday morning, I fly out 9:30 AM from Epley Airfield in Omaha, headed to beautiful Orlando, Florida. So, so what, uh, what day do you actually have to start working right when you get down? Do you have any buffer days or is it like go, go, go from the start? Well, there is an availability on the 23rd. I can't remember what time it's at. Mm. I remember thinking when I looked at it that I probably could go. Mm-hmm. but I don't remember that for sure because I hadn't looked specifically. Yep. I had only briefly perused the schedule and then I, I'll probably do that. So we're recording this on Tuesday evening yep. and, and we're going to record title nine after this. So I'll be sitting here in the office for a little while. That'll probably be part of what I'm doing is putting together my, uh, putting together my schedule a little mm-hmm. bit for a while I'm down there, but gotcha. I, I do think there is an availability on the 23rd. And have you yet determined what you will be doing or trying to be doing outside of your, your work? I have not outside of going to the magic and Sixers game. Yep. That's about it. Uh, probably try and find something. I mean, there's availability every day that we're down there. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to do that kind of stuff. But yep. other than that, um, I don't even know, like, what, do you have any idea? Like, have you looked at a map of, of where the stadium is compared to everything else in Orlando? I have not. I know this, well, okay. I know the stadium is like an hour away from Disney World. I did look that up. Okay, so it's not like you can just pop out and go to Disney World in your free time. From what I've been able to see, the city of Orlando is quite spread out. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this was very brief. I, I think I someone else asked me that, how far is the stadium from everything Mm. that was like (laughs) looked it up on google maps that was about it yeah um i don't think that they're practicing at the stadium so okay that's a another piece of it so they might technically be closer to disney world than the actual stadium where they'll play right but 
where they would be doing availability and stuff, there wouldn't be a place to work. Yeah. So I would have to go back to my hotel regardless mm-hmm. and go from my hotel to do whatever I wanted to do. So you're going to be Ubering a lot. sounds like. Yes. We'll be, we'll be doing lots of Ubering, mm-hmm. trying to get around the city of Orlando. And then the other guys that I'm, that are going to be down there, you know, Alex and Dylan and Randy and, and all of them are staying in a different hotel. So okay. hmm. they'll be my family. They'll have to be the stand-ins for my family on Christmas day. That's right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a, a crew I'd rather spend Christmas day with <laughs> than Alex Halstead, Dylan Monts and Randy Peterson. That's right. Uh, I mean, you'd take them over your real family, wouldn't you? <laughs> my mom and dad listen to this podcast, <laughs> so I can't, I'm not going to say that, but uh, no. So I'll, I'll probably be spending some time with them and, and I'll have to figure out a way to, to get over to their place as well. So mm-hmm. uh, yes, probably be quite a bit of Ubering, but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll figure it out. It'll just take me maybe a day. That's right. I don't even know like what there is to do in Orlando outside of Disney World and Disney Universal, World and, Universal and, yeah. uh, and the magic. I mean, surely there's somewhere where there's like a, like some kind of nightlife, but I, I wouldn't know where that would be. No, I have no idea. I don't even know of anything else that's even in Orlando. No, me either. <laughs> I mean, I just think Orlando, I think Florida, I mean, it's going to be nice weather, yeah. but it's, it's not, it's not, it's like it's on the coast. It's in the middle of Florida. So I'm, I'm guessing that this will be a thing where I get there and I'll probably ask someone, so like, what should I do yeah. now? Should like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What is even close to here? You know? Yeah. And I'll, or I'll just kind of do some internet research, figure some things out. You know, like given that it's going to be around Christmas, I wonder if they'll have any like Christmas related stuff just going on, not even at the parks, but just around. I'm sure that there will be. Yeah. yeah. I guess I don't know. Again, haven't. It's kind of different down there because, you know, up here you kind of expect cold weather and, you know, staying indoors, but down there they can, st- they can go outside and celebrate. Right. It feels considerably more Christmassy up here yeah. than it probably does with palm trees and... 75 degree weather your your mission is if you see a palm tree that has lights on it you have to take a picture of it like the, like the corona commercials yeah exactly i can almost guarantee that i probably will i i would bet you will as well but your mission is to take a picture and at least post it to your twitter all right i can i can do that just for you i can do that just for you thank you uh but yeah i'm, I'm heading down there on monday so i think probably the first thing i'll do is when i get to my hotel room i'll probably do a podcast Mm -hmm. just kind of give a an idea of what the week ahead is yep let people know what the plan is make sure everybody knows that i did indeed make it to florida Mm -hmm. and then i'll go from there we'll be uh concerned for your safety until you report in with the podcast it's like i don't get posted until 10 o'clock at night or something yeah everybody's sitting around thinking (laughs) what happened to jared what happened to jared jared disappeared He's already dead in Orlando. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Today on the podcast, it stands in Fitzmiss after we talk about a couple of different topics. So we'll give away our annual Christmas gifts to folks around Iowa State, Cyclone Fanatic, and other people in the uh, in the Big 12 stratosphere. Um, first things first, you haven't gotten a chance to talk about the Iowa game yet. I know no. you don't really want to. You told me that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> what? How do you feel now that it's been five days since the game? Not a whole lot different than how I felt after the game and during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just unfortunate because that that entire game, and that was the first Iowa State basketball game that I've watched in a while where I felt like we didn't have a chance to win. 
And it was just because Iowa got out to that huge lead at the beginning. And even when Iowa State battled back and they had a chance to cut it to six points, I, I still didn't feel like they were going to come back and win that game. Yeah, it just didn't feel like they ever had any control. Yeah. Iowa did a great job of dictating basically everything that happened in that game. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, even when they made their run, it wasn't like in the past where they would make a run and you could see them like seizing control mm-hmm. of the game. It was almost like, hey, they just made a couple shots in a row for once. Right, right. They just made some shots, and it's like, oh, okay, so now this, like, they came to the game, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, that was the thing that was so disappointing to me was just to, I don't know how you can be not ready to play in that game. Yeah. I mean, make all the jokes you want, but it should be one of the biggest games of the year for both teams. Yeah. Um, Obviously. With that environment? Yeah. And I mean, it's impossible to me to not be ready to play. Iowa's players weren't, you know, shying away from saying that they had that, cir- that game circled on their calendar. I think Bohannon said that, um, that ever since they lost two years ago, they had that game circled. So it's like, obviously they were, came in very focused and they just took it to the Cyclones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I will say too, Thursday morning on Cyclone Fanatic, you'll be able to find a podcast uh, that I did with Nick Graham. Uh, breaking down just some thoughts on Iowa State basketball mm-hmm. heading into the end of conf- or non-conference play, moving forward into conference play. So uh, that's one thing, but that that'll come out on on Thursday morning. Didn't really talk about the Iowa game, or we're, we're kind of past that deal. We, yeah. I mean, we did, but just like basic concepts of like this is what we're seeing from overarching yeah things like including the rest way. of yeah, the yeah, yeah. season as well yeah, yeah it's like but this it like this is how we remember it from the Iowa game just because it's freshest in our minds but um I think that it it's just getting to a point where you know we talked about how oh after Seton Hall, t- Hall game they're they're gritty they're tough they're gonna play defense they want like I wrote about they want to fight you we talked about that on the podcast last week yep and I did not sense that at all in that game mm-hmm. and it felt like they wanted to be last year's Iowa state team, you yeah. know, like yeah. they wanted to play like them. Yep. And the fact of the matter is they can't do that one because they're not talented enough. And two, they just don't have the right kind of players to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that they have guys who are, are good, you know, are good basketball players, but the things they're good at, they're good at, are not the things that Taylor Horton Tucker and Lindell Wigginton and Mariel Shayok, Nick Weilerbab, they're not the things that those guys were good at yep. and what made them so good. And that's where I think that there has to be a commitment at some point to being that team that's going to be tougher than you on every possession, that's going to beat you up, that's going to come in with a junkyard dog mentality. Yep. And, and, it, and it takes, like I said, it takes a mentality. Yeah. It takes a commitment to doing that and not just like half-assing it. You can't just all of a sudden in the middle of a game be like, all right, now we're going to be junkyard dogs. Yeah. No, like you got to go into every game knowing like this is the way we have to play if we're going to win. Yeah. It all kind of boils down to, especially over the last decade, with, you know, with Hoiberg going into prom eras, both of them, Iowa State could always lean on their offense to bail them out mm-hmm. when they weren't doing that well on defense. But this is really honestly the first year where they, they had to flip that. Yeah. So they had to lean on their defense to bail them out when they're not doing well on offense. And they, again, like you mentioned, that happened in the Seton Hall game. That's what you're hoping that like, hey, maybe this team's realizing that's what they had to do from now on. And then they reverted back to the old way against Iowa. And I think in there's some reality too, where we were feeling pretty good coming out of that Seton Hall game. Uh, 
Seton Hall lost their second best player on the first possession of the game. <laughs> yes. And he was the guy who killed us in down in uh, right. the Bahamas. And I think if anybody that rewatched that game, they played like absolute hot garbage. Like yeah. Iowa State was horrible offensively for the first what twelve minutes of the game. I think they had six points in the first ten minutes of the game. Yeah. And you they just got I mean, it was just fortunate that Seton Hall also happened to suck offensively in that game because they, you know, partially because they lost their second best player. And then I think Iowa State, too, did have something to do with that. I think Prentice Nixon's defense on Miles Powell was a big part of it. Yeah. But they were able to win because they they played with that mentality, you Mm -hmm. know. And, like, I'll push back a little bit at what you said. Like, this is the first team they've had that they can't be bailed out by their offense. That team two years ago. They weren't getting bailed out by their offense anytime. No, but, I, I, but the other thing is too that team just wasn't very talented. Yeah. So it was like that was just like a reality thing where well, it's like they're not good at either either thing. Really. On that on that team, the difference was for me is that you could see the potential of guys like Wigginton and, 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 and Lard. Yeah. Yeah. So like you could see that they had the potential to be good on offense. Whereas this team, you don't necessarily see as much potential. Obviously, Tyrese is great. He can make people better, right? But like the individual pieces that you can look at, they're not going to become great offensive players anytime soon. Well, I think that the thing, the thing for me that's still encouraging about this team that's that was different about that 2017-18 team is like with that 2017-18 team, it was kind of like, man, you know, just get through the year. We've got these young guys who you feel pretty good about that we're going to be able to, you know, like. They're going to have some big nights and stuff like that, and we might win some games, which they did. They beat West Virginia that year. They beat Oklahoma that year. And where where this team, I think, is different is that it's like – and you can see they were building a foundation for what they wanted to do with that those group of guys, which in the end of the day, that foundation that was kind of set in that year really crumbled a little bit because it, it got reset by a bunch of different people but uh, and just a bunch of different um, uh, situations. But with this team, it's like you can look at it and see like, okay, they're trying to play this way right now. But if they can pivot and play this way, they can be really good. I still think this can be a good team. I still mm-hmm. think this could be an NCAA tournament team. Yep. But it's going to take that decision, that like that commitment and these guys that are buying into a role that maybe isn't what they went into coming to Iowa State or whatever, thinking that that's what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it takes a guy like Prentice Nixon making a decision that like, okay, I know that the way that I can help the team the most is by being the junkyard dog, guarding the other team's best player, making it really hard for them on the other end of the floor and not by putting up 10 shots a game, Yeah, you know? And, and even the thing that I, I've, I think I've had a hard time with, with this team is that some of the time, you know, they're getting good shots for what last year's team was. You look at it and it's like, okay, yeah, they're getting good shots. But yeah, I wanted Mariel Shayok taking that shot. Yeah. I don't know that I want Prentice Nixon taking that shot. I don't mm-hmm. know that I want Reggie Bolton taking that shot. And it's like, that's where I think if they can change some things and, and get Tyrese to where it's like, Tyrese is everything. You know, he's setting up everything. Mm-hmm. And you're putting everybody in a situation where it's like, the way Tyrese goes, as Tyrese goes, we all go. And we're taking rhythm shots off of, you know, off of swinging the ball and stuff like that. And, and that's where when I see them ranked 10th nationally in, possess, in average possession length and things like that, I'm kind of taken aback. Because I'm like, that to me tells me that they are taking a lot of shots that are coming out of the first pass 
or coming out of just getting to the ball to one side and it never moves every anywhere besides that one side and then the, the ball is up yeah and you know how do you kind of change some of that how do you get to where the ball is going side to side and then you got Tyrese and he's dribbling into the paint and he's getting a paint getting a paint touch kicking it out and then you're getting a three from that way yeah and and if you can do that I think the offense can really get better because we've seen Prentice when Prentice is taking rhythm shots Prentice can make rhythm shots yeah Mike Jacobson can make rhythm shots Mike has a thing and this was noted uh who man I can't remember who it was that was talking to me about this I want to say it was it was Ryan Grove that every time Mike catches the ball to shoot a three-pointer he looks down at his feet and it's like catch the ball and shoot the ball yeah and if we if you can get Mike into that into that mode more often than not when Mike is just in that mode he catches the ball and shoots it and shoots it really confidently he makes probably a higher percentage of those if if you think about it I mm. mean that's like when Mike does make his shots yeah and I think you can see even where like Caleb Grill and Trey Jackson they catch the ball and they're thinking about okay this is when I shoot it now you know and it's not like it's not natural catch the ball and shoot it mm. you know and and that comes for them over time and and how do you get everybody into that mode where they're not like robots you know they're yeah. not they're not standing there thinking about everything so much it's like we've got this one guy who more often than not is going to be either the best player on the floor or one of the two best players on the floor in most every game that we play how do we let that guy be really freaking good and then we'll all play off of what that guy does yep and if you do that then i think the offense can get pretty good but then it takes that that commitment by everybody else to be like but we're going to be the ones that make it to where we can be really really good on the ball defenders rebounders post defenders solomon and mike and, and george and then let tyrese again do what makes tyrese really good defensively where he's off the ball jumping passing lanes and being able to create havoc in that sense yeah but you just sold Iowa State basketball right there, man. <laughs> Believe me, I've had a lot of conversations about this, and I have thought about this a lot. I watched the game twice uh, after I got home last Thursday night. Mm. I watched it once, tried to go to bed. Yeah, you were up to like, what, 5 a.m., you said? Yeah, uh, it was after 5 a.m. It Jeepers. was probably closer to 5.30. Uh, but I watched all of their offensive possessions really closely first, watched all the defensive possessions really closely second. And, like, that's just kind of what I – what at the end of the day I came down to. They need to make a decision what their identity is. Yeah. And and I think that their identity is going to be, if they're going to have success, it's that defensive component of like, this is what we are going to be. We are going to be really good down here. And then we are going to rely on the fact that we have one guy who is special. Yep. And you can do that. Then, like I said, I think this season can be turned around. I think that you can still have a positive record above 500 record in big 12 play. And I think you can make it back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So your expectation, I, if, if you had to not necessarily your expectation, but if you had to make a guess at what Iowa state finished the season at, like where do they go to the NCAA tournament? Do they just miss out? What would you say at this point in, in, in time? I'd think? say, I mean, I'd that team I watched last Thursday is not an NCAA tournament team. Mm. I mean, if, if that's the team they want to be, they're not going to win many games. Yeah. In the Big 12. Yep. I mean, I think that's just reality. And, you know, like I said, if I think if they can find their identity, if they can have some people buy into what that identity is going to be, and it might not be the same identity that Iowa State has had in recent years, then, you know, I think that things could go pretty well. Yeah. But it's got to take some stuff like that. The unfortunate part is they're going to have to work out a few of those kinks probably bleeding over into the Big 12 schedule. Right which is going to be very unforgiving. Well, I think it was good for them to have this break because I think it was, it's an opportunity for some guys to do some soul searching. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, and you can sit some guys down and say, 
this is what we need you to do. I mean, what's the definition of, ins- of insanity? What do they always say? Doing the same thing over and over again. And expect- expecting something different. Expecting something different. And that's what bugs me is when, when they start to do something different, you know, and you start seeing them passing the ball really well and they start getting out in transition and defending really hard and contesting shots and stuff like that. You see them make that run that they made against Iowa to start the second half and feel like they were really back in the game. And then there comes to, they get into a media break and I want to say they were down seven or something like that. And then right away they're back down 17 because what do they do? They revert to the same thing that dug them the hole to begin with. Mm. And they start taking stupid shots and they start taking contested shots and they stop contesting shots as hard as they need to start standing around on offense. I mean, there's a, I, I sent you guys the clip that we put in that group chat piece we did where, you know, uh, Mike catches the ball on the, or I can't remember if it was Mike or George, whoever it was, catches the ball on the block. The double comes, they're playing against a zone. And Rajir Bolton and, and Solomon Young are both standing flat-footed on the backside. Joe Wieskamp is the backside defender with his back completely to them, with his eyes on the guy with the ball, and neither one of them moved. Yeah. And I think it turned into a turnover on Iowa State. And you're like, you're, you look at that and you're like, man, Joe Wieskamp's a good player, yeah. but he can't guard two people with his back turned. Yeah. My grandma could guard two people with his back turned with the way that, that you're, you're doing this. And that's the know? kind of thing where you hope that, you know, if you can recognize that when you're doing your run through, then hopefully Steve Prohm and, and staff can and point that out in, in the game film. Yeah. Breakdown too. And, and hopefully that can be, a, that, like I said, that's where I feel like having the 10 days can be really helpful to them because it can let them sit some people down and be like, hey, what you're doing right now ain't working. Yep. You know, and, and it's like with Prentice, you're like, man, Prentice, we think you can make shots. We don't need you to shoot 50 of them in 10 games. <laughs> yeah. And because, I mean, Tyrese has taken 56 three-pointers this season. Prentice has taken 54. Yeah. Tyrese is shooting like 35% from three. Prentice is certain shooting 25%. And, and that's where, you know, I, I noted the thing where it's like you take out the Alabama game where they go 15 for 29. Then you're one of the worst three point. Sh- I mean, they're already one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. Yeah. I think they're two ninety third in, in three point shooting, and yet they're still like in the top fifty or something in attempts. Yeah, and that doesn't make any sense. It's so backwards. Yeah, that makes no sense. And yeah. and I think that that's just a product of like not getting very good shots. And like I said, that team last year, last year, man, they didn't take. They took bad shots, like in in the traditional sense of basketball. Yeah. But they had some dudes who could just really knock down shots. Yeah. Yeah. Merrill Shayak and THT at times could right. definitely do that. Lindell even. Yeah. Like Lindell would get hot sometimes and he'd take a contested shot. Think about all those four point plays that he got, man. Like <laughs> he's already had a couple of those for the Wolves too in the yeah, G League. That guy for some reason is just really good at that. But yeah. you get what I'm saying where like some of those were probably really closely contested. He's just he catches it in rhythm and shoots the ball and he gets fouled. Yep. And and the fact of the matter is, too, like they had to replace so many dudes with so many guys that were going to be playing different roles. There was bound to be some growing pains. Yep. And like you, you have a guy like Mariel Shayok. Nobody is Mariel Shayok. No. Besides Mariel Shayok. And I don't think anyone's upset that there's some growing pains. It's just the fact that, you know, it seems like there's an obvious fix. Like you've kind of just been laying out in this podcast and they just haven't been able to figure that out for themselves yet. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's what Nick and I kind of arrived at is it's like Coach Prome can say, whatever coach prom wants to say, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever coach prom needs to say. But the fact of the matter is, is it comes down in the words of Matt Campbell and the reality of the situation, the reality of the situation is there comes a day when those guys have to make a choice that they're going to listen. 
you know, yeah. and that they're going to do what they need to do. And man, last year's team did it. <laughs> like they had those moments where it was like, they would go way against what, what it seemed like they needed to be doing. And then they'd have a game where they'd get their asses kicked and then they'd come right back and it'd be like, all right, no, now we got to get back to what we're doing. And then they'd beat somebody up. They'd beat somebody they shouldn't, you know, they'd go and beat Kansas state on the road mm -hmm. or they'd beat Texas tech in Lubbock or something like that. And you know, what, what did it, hopefully that game against Iowa can be that moment for these guys where it's like, okay, we're not last year's team. We're not Iowa state of Fred Hoiberg's time. We have to be the best version of us. And what do we do well that we can bring to the team and not try and be somebody that we're not? Well said. All right. What do we got next here? Um, well, I just so do the... Yeah, the all-decade teams. The all-decade teams, yeah. Dropped the all-decade basketball team today. Mm -hmm. Did you... How'd you feel about the way the team shook out? I think uh, I might... I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty positive the, the, the all-decade teams turned out to be exactly what I voted for. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I went with the common vote, I suppose. Yeah, they were pretty, they were pretty close. What were, what were, uh, were there any differences between your ballot and the, the end result? Um, I think the only one that I had different was I had Chris Babb on mine instead of Tyrese McGee. And that was what I would have suggested. Like if I was going to, if I was going to replace someone on that second team, it would be Tyrus McGee with really, I mean, you could replace him with Chris Babb, you know, Will Clyburn, you know, any, any of those kind of guys. Yeah. I know Chris voted for Will Clyburn. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Um, I mean, I think the top five was pretty clear. I think DeAndre yeah. probably was the one that you could have flipped with like Nas. Yep. Uh, and I mean, DeAndre was so good that one year. Yeah, he, that's the thing. Like he, he it's, it's kind of a Royce White thing. Like Royce was only here for one year, but he was so dominant his one year. Yeah. Same, same for Kane. Obviously, Nas had that longevity and he was good for many years. But man, like Naz's ceiling was never as good as DeAndre's one good year. Right. The top four vote getters, I think, were in no way. There was someone who didn't put Royce White on there. A couple people who I think didn't put him on their first team. Oh, wow. I'd have to look back at the voting. So it must be a longevity slash, uh, you know, yeah. maybe even a likability thing. I don't know. Or yeah, some recency. Recency some bias. Some situation with the recency, but we're not talking about character. We're talking, I mean, not that Royce is a bad person. No, no, no. I don't, want, I don't mean that, but yeah. we're not talking about the off-the-court situation of whatever, like all the things that he's dealt with in yeah. all the years since then. Just Iowa this State. This is about his Iowa State career and how good he was yeah. as a basketball player. I was glad to see Shayok was on the second team because I was wondering, like, I think people still underrate how good he was last year. Yeah, but like I said, I think the top four was in no way debatable. George and Monte were... Absolute, we're absolute locks. There's a reason that they were the only unanimous selections. Yep. Um, Royce to me was another one where it's like, man, there's no way that you can't have Royce on the first team because he was that one year. He was, I he mean, was a triple double threat every night. Yeah. And he was arguably, I mean, he was one of the best players in college basketball. Yeah. He was so talented. Yeah. And then Melvin to me too was where it's like, okay, he produced so he, much. He was so important to all of those teams, you know, mm -hmm. and and all of the numbers back that up yeah. where he has the statistics to be like, okay, we can't sit here and like say this guy was not incredibly important to yeah. everything that Iowa State did. And he was so decorated his senior season, especially. Right. He had one of the most decorated seasons in school history. Mm -hmm. I mean, Marcus Pfizer like, would be one of the few guys that would be able to match him as far as being a first team All-American and being, um, you know, being the Big 12 player of the year mm -hmm. on top of being an academic All-American, being the Big 12 scholar athlete of the year in two consecutive seasons. Yep. I mean, he was... 
Melvin was was a big deal. And then DeAndre again, like that year, I mean, I, I don't know of a time that I can remember where a guy was just playing better than what DeAndre did during that 14 game stretch to start the season when when they're 14 to no yeah i mean he, he was he was unstoppable okay, he was just bullying people because yeah. all especially all those non-conference teams where they have smaller guards he could just have his way against those guys right and and then the thing like i will say looking through the numbers and stuff that i did for tyrus he was even better as a three-point shooter than i think i mean we all remember tyrus was like i wrote in there he's a human flamethrower yeah you know but he, he was like ninth all time in shooting at Iowa State, in three-point shooting at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. And he played two seasons. Yeah, so you like know? running total three-pointers. Yeah, and three-pointers point three pointers made. He finished yeah, yeah, ninth yeah. in two seasons. Yep. If he had played a full career at Iowa State, he probably would have been the all-time leading three-point shooter in school history by a wide margin. Yeah, because isn't, isn't the leader Jake Sullivan? Yeah, 270. Yeah. And Tyrus made, I think, 146 in two years. So he was so, okay. It, it would have been right, right there. Yeah. You know, and I mean, Naz made a lot of shots over five years <laughs> and still finished second. Yeah. You know. And I mean, and Matt made a lot of shots over four years and finished third. And the crazy thing about Tyrus too, is like so many of those shots were like him just blazing, coming off screens and firing up like the first shot he got mm-hmm. and he just made him like, you, you go back and you think about that Kansas game in Hilton, his senior year, he, he could not miss that game. Right. And I just think about like when I was filling out mine, I was thinking about like, all right, when this guy was really playing well, was he, was, is there a case? Like, could he have been one of the five best when he was playing well? Yeah. And that's how I thought about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's like. Uh, I mean the like with Deontay. Yeah, Deontay's first season, he was Big Twelve Newcomer of the Year, but Deontay was a knucklehead. We all know that, <laughs> you know. And and he came back and and he changed the way that he approached the game, and he really him and Abdul both really like grew as people in their mm. time at Iowa State. And then, I mean, there were stretches Deontay senior year where he obviously did some really like you could have some moments where you're like, damn Deontay, what are you doing? Yeah, but also he would. Like in that Purdue game, he was unstoppable against Caleb Swanigan. Yep. And if they had played him the way that they did in the second half of that game, I would say would have won and would have gone to Sweet 16. And mm-hmm. I, I would stand by that. But neither here nor there. Completely different conversation. Yeah. And that's like where, I mean, Deontay was like, he was really freaking good. Yeah. You know, he had to be on that on that group. Mario was the same way. When Mario was locked in, mm-hmm. you weren't stopping him. Exactly. He had some of those games where it's just like, man, this guy's ridiculous. And again, going back to Chris Babb, I know he technically didn't make the second team, but like the thing that is different about him is that what made him so valuable is that he was just like the glue guy and defensive stopper. And like he was arguably the best perimeter defender of the Hoiberg era. Would you? Would you I don't you think agree? that's even arguable. Yeah. Like he, he would be on the best perimeter player for the opposing team every game and shut them, basically shut them down every game too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, he didn't necessarily have the best offensive performances that those other guys did. He was still a good three point shooter, but you know, his value was just so non box scorey in a kind of a way. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the conversation we just had. Yeah. <laughs> like what Chris Babb was able to do. Yeah. He would have fit in perfectly into the mentality that, exactly. we, that we just talked about this year. Yeah. For yeah. this year's team. Like that's what Prentice needs to be. Yep. And like be timely with knocking down shots, which Chris would was, yeah. would make big shots when he needed to, when they'd leave them open and like, and he'd get assists and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah. And then there, I saw some people that were questioning, not putting Tyrese on the team. Uh, not enough, uh, Ty, again, Tyrese is like, what, the fifth or sixth option last year? And yes, he's a great player. However, he just hasn't had the the time to showcase his full capabilities for this decade. Well, yeah, and that's that's where I was like, well, we're not 
we're not uh, picking these teams based on someone's projection as an NBA player. Yeah. You know, or what they're going to do with their future. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind Tyrese is going to have a phenomenal professional career. Yep. Is going to be, you know, it's probably going to be a lottery pick. Yep. And is there any doubt in my mind that he's one of the most talented kids to come through here? No. And technically, if we extended this all-decade team through the end of this year, yeah, he might end up on one of those teams. Right. But, yeah, like you said, the reality is that he was really good in his role of being a supporting cast member last year mm. and just making, like, doing what he had to to help all those other guys yeah. be really, really good be, because they were all really good. Yep. And, and that's where I was like, I mean, I understand why you say Tyrese, because like, I understand why there's a question there. Mm. But I'm like, in my mind, Tyrese doesn't belong with these types of guys yet, yeah. you know, but he's, he can get there. Yep. And um, I think that was the only other guy that I, the only guy that I saw in a non-joking way that people <laughs> were asking where, the, where he was represented on the team. Good qualifier. Yeah, good, good <laughs> qualifier for anybody who's seen the thread that accompanies the... <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned, gonna, stay tuned next week for the the all uh, all decade mid range jumper team, dude. Okay, uh, going back to that, it's been like a month now. But did you did you see people come after me about my t about my tweet that I made during the the Bahamas game? No, I my tweet was I, I should go back and dig it up, but it was something along the lines of the ghost of Jeff Beverly lives in Solomon Young's body. Okay, well that's really mean. No, it's not. Dude, he was... Okay, the reason I said that is because he was nailing so many mid-range mid jumpers oh, that okay, game. Oh, okay, okay. Well, so yeah, I meant you can it in understand that context. why there is a negative... Con like, I, I do yeah. understand why that, because you don't get the context. But at the same time, like, I had uh, George Condit's dad tweeted back at me. Oh, no. Solomon himself found the tweet and said, be like, come on, man, don't dog on me, or something like something like that. Like, so it's like... <laughs> Damn, what is... What I make this old teammates. I, oh. make, I make this running joke that we obviously have on this podcast, and you especially, it's I would, I would credit the, the Jeff Beverly jumper thing to you, but it's like, I make that joke on Twitter. People don't get it. And it's like, yeah, they think I'm an asshole. So that's my story that I've been waiting to share for like two weeks, two or three weeks. Oh man. I feel bad for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, share I think that with you. I think and, more often than not, it's best to probably not compare anybody <laughs> to Jeff Beverly. Let's just keep that. The thing is it was such, it was, it's actually a compliment because Jeff Beverly was very good at mid range jumpers and Solomon Young was doing very well at mid range jumpers that game. So getting a little loose with the very good here. He, he was, I, I will stand by that. I'm not even joking there. Okay. I, I didn't, I'm sure you're are not. You, are you trying to dog on Jeff? No, Beverly no, right no, 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 no. Our Lord I'm and not, Savior. Jeff was put into a really tough situation because <laughs> I'm trying to break this down. I'm for trying me. to think about the way that I want to put it. Jeff was brought into a really tough situation because I think that the fact of the matter is Jeff never should have been here to play. Yeah, do, I would agree. Do you with get that. what I'm saying? Yeah, it Where was kind of a necessity ad. He was brought here because they needed a guy, and then he was expected to fill a role, and then Jeff was not good enough to fill that role. I mean, just, and that's just be, me being honest as a commentator. Like, he, he, they just needed a, a body, you know? Yeah. And, and Jeff took some heat and stuff like that for not being very good. But it's like, we should have known that, you know? Yeah. He probably, he wasn't that good at Texas San Antonio to begin with. And, and then he was expected to come and make a jump to, to the Power Five level. Like, I, on some level, I feel bad for Jeff Beverly. Yeah, I understand that. But I mean, like, could you, I mean, do you have access to old Synergy stats, like from years past? 
I probably could get. Well, I, I bet. I bet Jeff Beverly's in the top twenty-five percent of mid-range jumpers, and that might even be not giving him enough credit. So okay, I'll see if I can find that out. If you, I'm if sure, you, I, if I'm you sure I can figure that out. Thank you. Um, all right. <laughs> Gosh. So Casey's is going to eliminate their physical box tops ending in March of 2020. I didn't know this. Yeah. When when was this announced? It was announced this morning, I believe. Big news. Uh, shake the the Iowa landscape this morning. Yeah. So like, did you ever pay uh, get Casey's pizza using those box tops? Man, I can't remember the last time I ordered a full Casey's pizza. See, to like, be completely honest, it was, it was the kind of thing where I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. My when I was in college, my my mom and dad like they ate Casey's pizza every now and then, you know, so they'd save the boxes and then bring me the box top so I could get my own uh, free pizza while I was in college. So it's like that kind of thing. Um, that will not happen anymore because these physical box tops will be going away in March of 2020. One day I was asked to be in a video at Casey's. Really? Yeah. Like from Casey's? Like by a professional video crew. Like interviewing about Casey's? Yes. Like what did they want you to ask, answer questions about? Uh, they asked me about the pizza, what, why I liked the pizza. And so what was your answer? Uh, they asked me about what Casey's means to me. And why, why have I never seen this? Uh, well, I don't know even. Did they cut you? I, have, I don't even know who like it was, what they're, if they're making it for a commercial or if they're mm. making it for, you know, some sort of corporate advertising or something they just said hey we're making a video for casey's will like will you be in it dude maybe you were on and tv said, and you didn't even and know I said, it sure i doubt it i think if i had been i probably would have heard about that yeah. but uh no and and it was the they were the kind of questions that like i understand what they were trying to get from me they just wanted a soundbite you yeah. know i mean I, of anybody, I understand that, you know, and I tried to give them what they wanted. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're asking me like why I'd like Casey's pizza. <laughs> it's good. It's I pizza. I don't know because it tastes good and it takes me 10 seconds to stop into Casey's and get a piece of pizza. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And, uh, and then like, what does Casey's mean to me? I don't know. It's a gas station. It, yeah. You know, and I, I, I gave them a way better answer than that, but I, I will say I'm, I'm a little surprised that you they like play the game. You're, you're not a, you're not a whole pizza guy. Like it's, it's very economical to buy an entire Casey's pizza, like and then eat it for like the next three or four days. Yeah. I don't know. It's a different conversation. I don't eat that much just in oh. general. So, mm. uh, how do you think I keep my figure? That's true. You do you look very I eat a whole Casey's pizza and keep my figure. I guess not. You, well, you, you play enough basketball that you'd be able to burn it all off anyway. Man, I really don't play that much basketball anymore. It kind of stinks. I don't got time for it, though. All right. Uh, all right. Star Wars week. Yes. I know you're going to an opening night showing. I'm I trying am. to figure out when I'm going to go. Right over there. I'll be going. Right over there across the parking lot. That's right. Here in Ankeny. I'm trying to figure out where, uh, when I'm going to make it over there. You might be able to watch it down in Orlando. Yeah, could I, probably, be something I could do. probably do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't. I have a hard time going to movies unless it's like at really weird times, late at night or something. Mm. I always feel like I'm going to miss out on something. See, like the best, the, the most underrated time to go to a movie is 11 a.m. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a movie at 11 a.m. Dude, that's so, so much fun. Because like, there's no one in there or if there is people in there, it's all like, you know, the old crowd. Mm -hmm. So they're all, they're all very quiet and behaved and you can just kind of like, you know, do your thing. Go watch a movie. Yeah. Someone told me I should go or someone invited me to go with them down at, uh, down at Southridge. Oh. Southridge. Southridge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, apparently you can usually get in pretty easy there mm -hmm. uh, for those like midnight showings and stuff like that. But I don't know that I will. I got a lot going on on Thursday night. Last movie I watched at Southridge Mall was Inception. 
to give you an idea of how long ago Man, it's been. When, when Inception came out, like 2009? 2009, 11, yeah. or excuse me, not nine. Nine or 10? Yeah, nine or 10, somewhere in there. I don't know that I've ever seen a movie there, honestly. Star Wars might be my first one if I decide to go. There you go. It could be an experience. I have a feeling that it's not going to be very good. The movie? Yeah. I have a feeling that there's no way it can live up to anyone's expectations. Well, I mean, we've known that about every Star Wars movie. Oh, I mean, yes, technically. But I mean, I feel like overall the fan base was happy with The Force Awakens. Obviously very divided with The Last Jedi. But like this one, bring it back around. Like there, you got the people who liked Force Awakens crowd. You got the people who liked The Last Jedi crowd. You're not going to be able to make them all happy. See, and that's where there's just a, there's a problem with Star Wars is because, you know, I think the problem with The Last Jedi is that pe- people are like, you left, laid all these things out and then basically told us that they don't matter. You know, and yeah. that's like J.J. Abrams did that interview last week where he talked about that mm-hmm. and said people don't want to watch Star Wars to be told that things don't matter. Exactly. And. But at the same time, as far as just making like a standalone movie, that probably is like the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be the most cohesive to the trilogy. And you kind of got to if you want where that's where you have a problem where you're only making three movies, yeah. you know, and then you do one of them. And it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, oh, okay. So like, what was the point? Yeah. And like, that needs to be a bridge movie. When you think back, like to the original trilogy, it was like the second one, like mm-hmm. set it all up for the ultimate climax, you yeah. know? And I feel like in this one, they're going to do a lot of like trying to course correct mm-hmm. to get to the story that they wanted to end with from the beginning. Yeah. And then they're going to, everybody's going to be like, well, it seems like they just really rushed through this entire story for them to just end it now. Yeah. I, I, I obviously have avoided spoilers like any good fan should do, but I have read a few like just, you know, general reactions. And I, it sounds like from what I've heard, like the first half of the movie or so is kind of what you're saying. Like they're, they're getting things placed where they would prefer them to be so they can set up the, the ending, you mm-hmm. know, the actual big climax. So, and that's just where I feel like Disney made a weird decision by if they wanted to make three movies, why'd you have different people direct? Exactly. They should, at at the very minimum, they should just had like in the entire story laid out. Right. um, They should ready to go. If you wanted to come in and make the movie, you got to make it like this. Yeah, exactly. Because this is the story we want to tell. You have to follow our guidelines. You can technically have a little bit of leeway, but you have to stay on the course. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to, but I'll admit I have not avoided the spoilers. You have not the leaks. I've read a lot of the leaks. Oh no. Uh, I mean, who knows how real they are, mm. but what's claimed to be leaks. And if what has been claimed to be leaks is what actually happens, I can promise you that people will be very disappointed. <sighs> and it has really like made me less excited to go and see the movie. That's not good. Hopefully, hopefully your leaks are not right then, because I'm sure if, if you feel that way, then I probably feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, I hope everybody's satisfied, but mm. Mm, just going to go out on a limb and say it probably won't be. I will say it's, it's kind of odd because at this point with how, especially with how well the Mandalorian has been doing, and I've been super enjoying that. I know it's it, technically the Mandalorian is kind of like an old Western, yeah. you know, it's like it, it, it each episode is kind of its own thing. Um, you know, there's not, I want a, there to be more of an overarching story. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people share that same thought. Um, I feel like there is though, but they just aren't, they aren't advancing it. They're very not fast. advancing it very quickly, no. which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, uh, and I get that because they like laid a lot on you in that first episode. Mm. Spoiler alert for anybody <laughs> that hasn't watched the Mandalorian yet, <laughs> but they laid a lot on you like in the first two episodes. And then 
like three, four, five, and six have all kind of just been their own individual, things. their own individual things. And now you've got two episodes left in the season. And I feel like they're, we're going to have like a, everything hits the fan episode, probably in this one. And then season eight, we'll set it all up for probably a season two Yeah, or episode eight. We'll set it up for a season two. But anyway, where I was going with this, you know, with Mandalorian's, uh, my personal enjoying enjoyment of it. I'm kind of more excited for when the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series comes out than mm-hmm. I am this next movie that's happening Thursday. The thing I think that Star Wars has to their benefit is that there's a very well fleshed out canon mm-hmm. of like, there's all these different characters and you can go a bunch of different ways with them. And you can do that a lot with these TV shows. Yeah. I think the movies thing, they're going to have a hard time with that unless they're going to do them like as trilogies, which I think is what they're going to do moving forward. Yeah. But where they do the standalone, like solo movie, Rogue One, I know was really good. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's really good. You still haven't seen it? No. Dude, uh, you got to see it. It's good. Okay. I'll see it sometime. Uh, but that's just where it's like, you have such a guideline of like, okay, do it like this. And with the Skywalker movies, yeah. you know, it's like, if you just do this, people are probably going to be happy for the most part. Yep. And like on the TV shows, they can break away from that with characters that, you know, and like do some fan service, which is what I feel like they have done a little bit with Mandalorian here the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And, but like, so you don't know a lot of those stories, you know, like, Obi-Wan, I think will be a little different because like you and McGregor obviously was in those other movies, but you can create new characters that are living in this galaxy that's so expansive mm. and uh, flesh out new ideas and stuff. And it yeah. doesn't have to just be centered around these people that it's like, this is the only story happening because yeah. the reality is the galaxy is so big. Nobody, half the people probably don't even know that's happening. Yeah. And that's where I think that they have luxury, but you got to figure out a way to like, how do you get past everybody thinks of it having to be like what the Skywalker, yeah. you know, saga is. Yeah. And just the way people consume media nowadays, like everyone's so used to, you know, actually watching TV series. Like they, there's so much more time for them to, you know, flush out things fully. You Whereas, can flush out a character. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you only make a movie, whether it's, even if it's a full trilogy, like you only have per individual movie, three hours max to cram everything in there. And that's basically three episodes of a, of a, of a series, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, why not just move Star Wars, start advancing it toward, you know, being made for TV like they're hopefully doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the, like there's aspects of it where you just wish there'd been more, like you knew more about these characters and like honestly in this this newest trilogy. Yeah. Like if you, if you had changed the the trilogy and made it like a, a, a a series, like make it like a Game of Thrones style, um, you know, ending, you could go like a full season in is the force awakens a full season yeah. is the last Jedi and kind of really go down that hole. Well, you're in a tough spot when you've got to introduce so many new characters, but you can't, you don't have any time to. Yeah. Like, why should I care about this person? Exactly. You know? Cause that's what everyone wants to know. Like what, how did, you know, where, what's Ray's origin, you know, yeah. how did Snoke become powerful? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we don't know any of that. Mm hmm literally don't know either of the answers to those questions. Yeah. Which I'm assuming will hopefully we'll get a little bit here in this last movie. We'll see. Yeah. I guess we'll see. You're like taking a big gamble where it's like, we're going to make three movies and you'll pay like all of the payoff will be in the last one. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll do stands and Fitzmas when we come back on the cycle and fanatic podcast network. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Stands and Fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. You guys are going to get a really long podcast. We didn't anticipate this being a long podcast. Dude, I expected like the first opening segment to last like 15 minutes and it lasted 45, you said. Yeah. So holy crap. So you guys, if you want to save this for over your two week break that you're going to get <laughs> from us, but the nice uh, part is I don't otherwise think otherwise it's going to be like an hour and a half podcast. I don't think the Stands and Fits will take that long. No. So that's good at least. Usually it's like a mix where the numbers usually say like you should go shorter podcasts. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've ever read, like from trends. But for some reason, I usually have people tell me they like longer ones. Like I usually like longer ones too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of time people are, you know, sit and listen at work or like on a long commute, that kind of thing. So I feel like the more time you fill up, the more people appreciate it sometimes. Well, and the reality is too, a lot of people listen on time and a half. Yes. Which true. cuts the time of every podcast in half. Yeah. Ryan listens, I think on double time. Mm-hmm. And he tells me that anytime he sees me in person, my voice sounds weird <laughs> compared to how it is when he listens to the podcast because he's he's used to my voice being twice as fast. Yeah. So and I, I, I'm not one of those people. Like I, I just listen regular. Is it is it when you speed it up to double time, does your voice get higher at all? Or is it like, is it the same frequency? I would imagine it does. Yeah. So you sound more manly in, in slow-mo or, or I guess regular-mo. Yeah, I guess. I think I talk slower just, well, obviously I talk slower in double time, but I'm not that, I don't think I'm like a really fast talker. Mm-hmm. So it would, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain that. When I get going, when I get going, I'm a fast talker. And I know that compared to a lot of people, like, oh, well. I, like Chris, Chris is such a slow talker. Yeah. Nothing against that. Like nothing, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just the way people, people are. Yeah. Chris is, has a very defined cadence, but that's because he's been doing this for a very long time. That's right. He's a professional. Right. He's been doing this for a long time and he's really like kind of honed his style. Everybody's different. Yep. Uh, all right. Stands and fits, miss. We're going to kind of go back and forth here. Uh, the ones that I thought of their gifts, I think I'm going to read and then you're going to read the other ones. That's right. Uh, all the other ones, the ones that, you know, I came up with. Yeah. Those ones. You're, well, yeah, the one, that's what I meant. <laughs> you know what I meant. Don't, don't, don't do that. All right. Get us started. For Jamie Pollard, a case of bush light to be re-gifted to the next bowl execs who need a reminder of what they get when they invite Iowa State to their bowl game. It's a good one. Man, that Camping World tweet with the, the bush light palettes, that was kind of interesting. Kind of yeah. got blown up on Twitter a little bit by our, our fan base. Oh, they knew what they were doing. They did. And then it was kind of interesting because like every other response I saw on my feed from Iowa State fans was, double it, yeah. triple it. That's what I said. Okay, now double it. Yeah, it's like it's that became the running joke. It's like yeah. everyone said that. Did but. you see the Notre Dame reporter who said, is this an Iowa State thing or, <laughs> or what is this? Oh, no. Yeah, it's 100% an Iowa State thing. Yeah, or like exactly. actually just an Iowa thing in I, general. I wonder but. if Notre Dame even has anything like, like that or if they're just so traditional, you know, just focus on the football, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that sounds like something that a, a fan base like Notre Dame would do. Yeah, go heavy on the bush light. Well, they also haven't had a period where they won eight games in three years either in recent memory so very true all right go ahead (laughs) all right 11 games in four years even um for the camping world bowl execs while we're on the topic we're giving them a hug thank you for selecting iowa state over other teams to be named later (laughs) kansas state all right uh for matt campbell oh oh sorry all right yeah Uh, kansas state yeah i yeah didn't read the list for matt campbell we are giving him 15 vials of Felix Felicis for next season, which if, if you don't know, Harry Potter, uh, Felix Felicis is a potion that Harry Potter people make, wizards and witches, and it gives them luck to succeed in whatever they do. 
then why did you just say it on the podcast? Because it's explicitly said in the books that it's illegal to use Felix Felicis um, in competition, in athletic competition. Uh, because this is not athletic competition. He, he is coaching, which is different from athletic competition because you're on the sidelines, means you're going to make the right calls. You're not being the athlete, which is completely different from actually being the athlete on the field. That's my logic. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, for John Haycock, a new nose guard recruit named Lay Rima, who looks strikingly like Ray Lima, just with a handlebar mustache. I like it. But Latrell Banks is going to be pretty damn good, too. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's a solid, solid other gift for Coach Haycock. I think Ray Lima would look really handsome with a handlebar mustache, honestly. I feel like this is a Photoshop that needs to ha- happen. Is it? Okay, we'll just move on. <laughs> for Brock Purdy, a plane ticket to New York for a vacation during the second weekend in December 2020. Boy, that lines up with something notable. It does. Something that Brock might, may or may not have been announced today to have plus 2,800 odds to win in 2020. Now, the question is, how many people have already bet on those odds? Well, I haven't. I wonder if you can go down to Prairie Meadows and make that bet. That's a good question. I wonder if William Hill has it. Because that's on Bovada, wasn't it? No, I was on Odd Shark. Oh, I Odd didn't, Shark. Or wait, yeah. I didn't see where Odd Shark got it from. But okay. I mean, that's, that would probably make sense for Odd but, Shark. Anywho, yeah. So there are early odds out there, and Brock Purdy was included. Mm-hmm. So good for Brock. Uh, Fabrice Hall, a fan of a can <laughs> of Fabrice, because the more you use it, the more you love it. Dude, that that was a that was a full on joke that I would have made. What you just did right there. Yeah, yeah. You're well, welcome. Well done. I channeled my inner Fitzy on that one. You did. Uh, for Ray Lima, a certificate of appreciation to make sure he knows we will always appreciate him helping reshape Iowa State's defensive reputation. Yeah, honestly, like. I think the argument can be made that Ray Lima and maybe Greg Eisworth have been like the two guys that you can be like, you point at that guy and be like, he's the reason Iowa State's defense is so good now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote in the all decade team that Ray was the most important piece. Yeah. Because what he did or what he does allowed Iowa State to play the type of coverages in the three man front that they did for, for all these years. Yep. Totally agreed. So we appreciate you, Ray, forever and yeah. ever. Thank you, Ray. And especially once you come back as Lay Rima. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, for Greg Eisworth, we are giving him bubble wrap just to wear during the entire offseason, maybe even fall camp, just to avoid getting injured. Need to keep him as pristine as possible heading into next season. For Connor Asali, a customized stress ball shaped like a butt with a horns down <laughs> logo on it. See, this is great because I feel like, you know, that could be something he just on the sideline squeezing the stress ball that's shaped like a butt. And every time he comes in to kick, he can put the stress ball down, go make the field goal, come back, get back to the stress ball. Who doesn't love to squeeze butt sometimes? That's right. Butt squeezer. All right. Dave Montgomery going to former players now. Oh, man. We are giving a trade to a team with a competent offense because obviously the Bears don't have a good offense. Their offensive line sucks. They have terrible play calling, terrible quarterback. Basically, he just needs to go to a team that doesn't suck. Man, there is an alternate reality in which Dave Montgomery is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, and yeah. he's like the breakout star of 2019. I so wish that had happened. Like, Other than the Vikings, the Chiefs were the team that I was hoping would take David when the, he, in last year's draft. They could use him, too. Their offensive yeah. line's got some injuries and stuff, but their run game has not been near as... well. It doesn't help when you get rid of Cream Hunt. Very for, true. Uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, they could use some help in that run game. For Alan Lazard, a trade to a team with better colors. 
So just purple and gold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great to see. Because the colors that he wears stink. Yeah. It's great to see him have some success and obviously kind of just be Aaron Rodgers' third uh, receiver this year. But uh, outside of that, it's the Packers. We are not fans of the Packers around here. No. So that's too bad. All right. For Tom Herman, we are gifting him moving boxes because you can never get started packing too early. Hint, hint for next year. Also hint, hint for next year. Lincoln Riley, we are gifting a ticket to the Super Bowl in Jerry and Jones' suite so we can is rub the shoulders. Is Super Bowl in Dallas? Uh, I have no idea. But I'm assuming Jerry Jones is going to go to the Super Bowl oh, and sure. have a suite. Yeah. So, all right. Continuing my, my streak. Scott Frost, we are gifting antifreeze because he's going to be using the car a lot around home in those cold December and January months in, in Nebraska. Do you have any comment as a, the resident Nebraska fan? I don't. I don't. Okay. Good. You haven't been listening to football and random things, apparently. I haven't. Well, uh, go on. Jeff Woody and I already had a whole conversation. Did no. you? Okay. 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 Loyal listeners of the podcast will know what I'm talking about. All right. Moving on. Kansas State fans, we are gifting brochures detailing everything you can possibly do in Memphis, Tennessee. Enjoy your stay in Memphis, Tennessee. We're so happy that they get a really good quality vacation in Memphis. That's right. It's going to be. I hope that the weather is 35 degrees <laughs> and freezing rain. Exactly. This Moving on. Yeah, I would say this is you. Yeah, it's still me. I got. I have a lot in a row here. Steve Prome, we are gifting a grad transfer wing that can shoot 40% plus from three-point range. Preferably eligible at semester. <laughs> yes. A mid- mid-season transfer, please. Right. In, in best-case scenario, he could play tomorrow. Yeah. If, if needed. <laughs> uh, for Tyrese Halliburton, a hand phone to help his opponents call God. And I actually looked it up. There is a prototype of a, of a thing that is that you connect to your thumb and your finger and it like goes on your wrist and it's like a cell phone. I'm, wait, 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 I'm wait, wait. dead serious. Why would it need to be connected to your wrist? Well, I think that this was like a early 2000s technology. Oh, concept. so and it was like pre actual cell phone. Yeah. Well, I mean not pre actual cell phone, but pre I me mean, had buttons and stuff on it too. Okay. Pre, you know, smart watches and those kinds of things. Okay. But it was literally something you strapped onto your wrist and then you it had wires that ran up to your thumb and a wire that ran to your pinky and you held it to your ear oh. like a phone. Yes. So, okay. So it was like legit, like part of, it wasn't like there's a phone attached to it. No. It's just on. Well, your, there is a phone like right here. Yeah. That, that like is, on your wrist. It is a cell phone apparatus that is on okay. your phone. Okay. on your wrist and then you hold it up like so that. it's like an apple watch except it has like attachments for your fingers kind yes. of thing yeah that's kind of intriguing it's exactly what we would have thought would be cool in like 1998 i would still think that's cool now no you wouldn't i would if you saw someone walking hey, around like that you'd be like look at that idiot no i'd be like wow that guy has style he is a fan of tyrese halberton probably probably yeah or daryl bowie yes all right uh, oh, for George Condit, a Joel Embiid bobblehead to remind him it is okay to be the big man who plays the villain for opposing fans. I like it. I feel like uh, you should ask Condit if he like admires Embiid in any way. And if he doesn't, why not? Okay, I will. I'll, I'll just ask him who his favorite big men are. That's a good one. I'd be curious. All right. For Caleb Grill, we are gifting a grill. For Bruce Weber, we are gifting a Weber grill. <laughs> I feel like you thought about that one for a long time. <laughs> no, that actually took two seconds. Uh, this one also took two seconds. For Chris Beard, we are gifting a beard. Quit avoiding it, Chris. <laughs> okay. Now that everyone's laughed. Uh, everyone at Baylor, not named Scott Drew, we are gifting Cole, obviously. 
For Scott Drew, we are providing a $100 gift card to the Magnolia Market. I swear that Scott Drew might be the only pure soul that has anything to do with Baylor University. Exactly. Like of all the, the demons down there, Scott Drew is the beacon of light that shines through. Yeah. So credit to you, Scott Drew. All right. For Jordan Bohannon, we are gifting a copy of the 2019 Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State game on DVD so he will forever be able to cherish the memes of his crowning athletic achievement. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, for Chris Williams, a weekend away with the wife while your girls are left with professional babysitter DMX. DMX, the best possible babysitter anyone could receive. I feel like there's no potential uh, catastrophe waiting to happen at all. Where are the bottles at? That's right. For Rob Gray, the 2020, the power of positive thinking, you're in a box calendar. Just so that instead of having to search Google for his positive quotes for next year, all he'll have to do is tear off a page and, and tweet out the quote. Honestly, like think about how much more productive Rob Gray will be in 2020. Thanks to us. If he doesn't have to spend time looking for the, yeah, he probably spends like an hour each day just searching for those. Well, yeah. And especially looking for one that he hasn't used yet. Yeah. 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 He probably has a spreadsheet and stuff. I'm, I'm not sure that it's that deep, but maybe yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to find out. I'm sure you could ask him at any time you wanted. Maybe maybe if we end up having a, a Cycle Fanatic get-together this weekend, we'll see. Well, we are. I mean, we just don't know what we're doing, Yeah, which is problematic <laughs> stuff, yeah. but different conversation. Uh, for Brent Bloom, a pre-made burner account free of trolling restrictions and potential employer punishment. Tweet whatever your heart desires, Mr. Bloom. Right. We want, we want Bloom to be back in his... Full capacity. In his full capacity, his old form. Just we, none of us will know that it's him. Yes. Well, besides me and, us, me and besides you will, us, because, uh, because we made the account for yeah, him. That's right. And then for intern, Brandon, Mr. Alba, what you said during your preseason college football predictions were some of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent predictions, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Every subscriber to the Cyclone Fanatic podcast is now dumber for having listened to it. We award you no stands in Fitzmas gift, and may God have mercy on your soul. Podcast over. Merry stands and Fitzmits to all of the listeners out there as we head into 2020, our final episode, 2019, and we go in seven episodes short of number 100. Coming the up second on Cyclone it. Fanatic podcast to hit 100. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Kudos to us. Kudos to us for, for, for sticking with it and not getting fired yet. For having such great uh stamina oh i forgot to tell you we got a we got mail over there oh that's right yeah i kind of want to read a few well no, you didn't get mail kevin was, fitzgerald did <sighs> yeah i you already shared that fact with me it's okay we're not going to shame the kids but i appreciate the thought we'll pretend that it's not one of the ones that like told <laughs> us they actually listen to the podcast <laughs> please please don't like it. yeah yeah if you if you do listen to the podcast you know who you are Please let you be Fitzpatrick guy. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I've got that podcast with Nick coming out on Thursday. Title Nine drops later or drops on Wednesday. I'm going to post this podcast Tuesday night. But the Title Nine will drop on Wednesday. Then we'll have thurs Thursday night the Cyclone Fanatic radio show. Chris is going to do part one of a two-part bowl betting extravaganza on Friday. I think part two of that will drop on Sunday. And then Chris and I are also doing a pre-bowl game podcast on Friday. So you guys will have all sorts of podcasts to listen to leading up to Christmas. 
because I don't think that we're probably going to really do as many besides just me being by myself down in Florida next week. Save them all for Christmas Day so you can listen to those instead of be with your family. There you I, go. I don't know what else there could anybody would rather do than listen to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody have a great, happy holidays. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Beat the Irish.